0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. We don't normally do this, um, but I want you to to find a partner or another person next to you, okay? This morning, I would like for you to share uh, with one person, two people, whatever, your favorite color. If you're married, you have to guess your spouse's color before they share it with you. Okay, ready? Go. Do that real quick. Just find a person next to you. Tell them your favorite color. All right, well done, well done, well done. I think my wife's color is purple, but she's not like, going to yell out if I'm wrong. So um, that's cool. She knows mine because I'm really kind of strange and I always tell people my favorite colors. My favorite colors are black and white, okay? Those are my two favorite colors. I don't know why they're my favorite colors. Don't ask me, why is your favorite color your favorite color? You don't know either. I just like black and I like white. And I was thinking about that this week um, a little bit about the contrast. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that I like black and white is because every other color kind of pops, especially with black. You know, like our stage, things just pop off of it. It's really cool. But I was thinking about how sometimes we sort of lose that contrast. And the more we get involved and the more we get going in life, we just sort of either things become like gray areas or they almost kind of disappear and you sort of lose contrast between the two. And I think today, as, and actually throughout this whole series, as we've been talking, the idea has been for us to pause. Because our lives are so crazy, we're just spinning around and spinning around, and sometimes we lose definition. Even as Christians, we sort of lose the contrast between what God wants of our lives and, and what the world wants of our lives. And so today, we're going to pause, and I promise it's only going to be about 17 minutes for those of you that are thinking, look what time it is. (laughs) We're going to pause and look at gentleness. I struggle with gentleness. The more um, I get older, I think maybe I'm mellowing a little, but I'm just not a really gentle person. And my, my first inclination is to say, hey, be gentle. <laughs> Come on. But that's probably not the right thing to do. So what we're going to do today, real briefly, is we're going to look at two kings, and we're going to contrast their lives. And the first king we actually find in the book of first kings, so that works out pretty nicely. First kings, and uh, his story, at least the part that we're going to look at, is in chapter 12. And... Uh, just to give a, a really quick background, Rehoboam is, has become the king. He's the new king. The people have come to him and they've said, you know, things were really hard for us before. Would you please like, lower the taxes a little bit, chill out a little bit? It's, it's really hard for us. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll give you an answer in three days. So we're going to start at 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly, and forsaking the counsel the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord That he might fulfill his word which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah the Shelonite to Jeroboam of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Look now to your house, O David. So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. So again... King Rehoboam has a choice to make. He can either be gentle with the people or he can be harsh. And wisdom said to him, it would be a really smart thing to be gentle. And he said, you know, I don't care what wisdom says. I'm going to be harsh. I'm going to be harsher than they have ever seen. And the response of the people, the result then of his harshness, is the people say, fine, <laughs> we'll see you later, goodbye. And all the people who had the ability to leave his kingdom did. And only those who were stuck there stayed under his rule. Now, in contrast to this king, we have another king, King Jesus. And his story, just a really brief portion of it, is found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And I, I just want us to see the contrast of the world, which I think Rehoboam, uh, he just really typifies, and Jesus. And look at what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, Jesus is still claiming authority. A yoke is something that controls and commands uh, an ox or whatever uh, animal. And so Jesus is saying, I'm still going to have control, but I want you to understand that I'm not going to be like the world. I know you're weary. I know life is hard. I know you are burdened. And, and when you come to me with those, I'm going to take them and I'm going to give you my yoke, and I want you to learn from me, because I am gentle. What a contrast. The one who has all all authority in heaven and on earth, and who can do anything he wants, says, I'm going to be gentle with you. You see, some people think of gentleness as weakness, and it's the exact opposite. Gentleness is being so strong, so confident that you do not have to be a harsh jerk. I think of people like Eric Philinger and John Koloff as men who are gentle, and their gentleness brings fruit in their ministries. I, I think of a man named Joe. And Joe was a, an alcoholic, and he was really harsh with people. And I think that was probably fueled by his alcoholism. And one day, Joe finally submitted himself to God. And over time, he became more and more the man that God wanted him to be. And the mission where Joe had spent many days uh, being sick from his alcoholism was the place that Joe decided to serve. And Joe went uh, consistently to the mission, and, and there was no job that was too dirty for him. He was the one who got all the jobs no one else wanted to do, and he still just served. And this harsh man was now a gentleman. He was a man who cared for people. He encouraged people. He was a tremendous example of gentleness. And at one of the evening services, the director of the mission was, was speaking, and he said, if you want to come forward and pray, do that. And a, and a man came up, and he had been drinking himself. And when he got to the front, he just kept saying, God, make me like Joe. God, make me like Joe. God, make me like Joe. And the director of the mission said, you might want to pray, God, make me like Jesus. And he said, is he like Joe? <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. That's what God wants from us. That when people see us, they see Jesus. That we are different. There is a contrast between us and the world. Jesus chose to be gentle and His yoke that teaches us is gentle. And so then we become gentle. And the response of people to Jesus is very different than it was to Rehoboam. The people who have the opportunity to walk away from Jesus don't. They come to Him. And they surrender their lives to Him every day. That is true influence. So a question for us today how do people respond to you? How do people respond to you? Are they moving closer to you? Or is it becoming more distant in your relationship, whatever that relationship happens to be? Proverbs 15.1 says that a gentle answer leads to less anger, but a harsh answer increases anger. And there are even people who are leaving the Christian faith. And and some of these people are are leaders. There are some people who are pastors who are leaving the faith. And sometimes that's because of a a doctrinal difference or or some kind of other belief. But I think more often than not, it's simply that they don't see any difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. There's just no contrast. The, The fruit of the Spirit is not evident in the lives of Christians. And the fruit of the Spirit is important Every part of it is important. And again, today we are talking about gentleness. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Let your gentleness gentleness be seen by everyone. Let everyone see your gentleness. People within the church, people especially outside the church. May it be evident, may it be known, may it be clear. And then the end of the verse says, The Lord is near. Now, that has two possible definitions. One is God is close by. Like His power is available. His comfort is available to you wherever you are. And if you're a Christian, it's actually inside of you. It also could mean the Lord is near. That means God is coming soon. He's returning soon. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and you'll be with God forever. Either way, in fact, both ways, God is near. And that changes everything. The Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is relevant. The Holy Spirit is working in us and on us. And Jesus said, you'll know that's true when there's fruit. When there is a change in your life. So we have to ask, are we different than the world? Is the fruit of the Spirit truly showing in our lives? I really believe that through this series, and maybe today is the day for you, God has been speaking about a part of your life that needs to be different. I know he's been speaking to me. What is that? What area is that? That God is saying, here, would you surrender? Would you surrender? And if God is making that clear to you, then don't run away from that. Lean into it. It's exciting to know that God wants to change us and make us look more like Jesus. But God is a gentleman, and we, we get to choose whether or not that happens. That's an incredible thing. Again, Rehoboam tried to force his ways with his harsh laws, and Jesus invites people with his gentleness. And God's inviting you to be different, to change. Essentially, if you look through the fruit of the Spirit, it, it's almost a, a choice between serving ourselves or serving other people max Lucado, in his book when god whispers your name wrote this it's quiet it's early for the next twelve hours i'll be exposed to the day's demands it's now that i must make a choice and so i choose love i will love god and what god loves i choose joy i choose peace i choose patience rather than complain that the wait is too long I'll thank God for a moment to pray. I choose kindness. That's how God has treated me. I choose goodness. I choose faithfulness. Today, I will keep my promises. My wife will not question my love. I choose gentleness. If I make a demand, may it only be of myself. I choose self-control. I will be impassioned only by my faith and influenced only by God. Our theme verse for the summer that the kids went through, part of the way is up on the screen. If you can say it without looking, that would be great, but let's all say our theme verse together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's 5, two, 2, and 23. Very good, thank you. We haven't really talked about this phrase at the end, but I just want to spend a minute on it. It says, against such things there is no law. There is no law against the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but can I tell you this? There is an enemy against the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There is an enemy against us. It's a daily battle. And so, on the topic of gentleness, ask yourself, which king do I look like? Am I more like Rehoboam or am I more like Jesus? Am I harsh or am I gentle? A weak person is harsh and demands more of other people. A strong person is gentle and demands more self Jesus demanded more of himself Jesus lived the fruit of the Spirit until he died literally so right now we each need to choose we need to choose to let the Holy Spirit develop his fruit in our lives and if you've never given yourself to God then that's not possible The fruit of the Spirit only develops as you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And that's only when you become a Christian, when you surrender your life to God. Can you imagine this, though? You surrender, which, if you you take this in biblical terms, and this might be harsh to understand, says that you are an enemy of God, and you surrender then to Jesus. Now, if an enemy surrenders in a typical war, they are often mistreated They are prisoners of war. When you surrender to Jesus, it's different. He brings you onto his side. He welcomes you. In fact, he adopts you. God adopts you as a child. And you are brothers and sisters of Jesus. And God gives you the most powerful resources available to the team. Isn't that incredible? That's so different than the world. You're not a prisoner of war. You're a child. So choose to exchange your life for eternal life. Confess that you have sinned and ask God to forgive you. Name Jesus as the ruler of your life, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Submit to His command to be baptized. Or maybe you simply want to come forward and, and pray and talk about some things today. God's gentleness draws us. And may God's gentleness change us. Would you close your eyes and pray with me, please? God, we do want more of you in our lives. We want you to be the contrast our own selfish desires Holy Spirit in place of hatred or apathy would you develop love in place of disappointment give us joy in place of chaos nurture peace in place of impatience give us patience in place of rudeness make us kind In place of corruption, would you sow goodness? In place of doubt, grow faithfulness. In place of harshness, develop gentleness. In place of outbursts, give us self-control. In place of death, God, you give us life. Lord Jesus, you are gentle. Your yoke is light. Your way gives life. You are love poured out for us on the cross. You're stronger than our weakness. You break the chains of our sin. You are risen. We are saved. Father, we honor you. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you. May your name be lifted up here today and in our lives this week. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?